beautiful i think it was the most perfect entry to a show we've ever done <laughs> we'll keep working on it um this is shelly smith with reeds and weeds uh, this might be i always think it's our 50th episode but i keep lo- losing them <laughs> like they don't record or i can't whatever we're above 50 now and uh we're doing a book that uh eric massey recommended to us <laughs> he's not with us today. We, he is with us in spirit. But um, I met Eric at the Michigan Psychedelic Society meeting in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and wanted to do a show. We've been wanting to do a show together with the Michigan Psychedelic Society. And Colin used to run our board all the time, and he would always chime in about what was going on with them. And Eric recommended this book, The Fellowship of the River. And uh, I'm so excited because... We talk a lot about cannabis, but I have we've done one other book called Plant Spirit Medicine um, that was directly related to you know Plant Spirit Medicine. And I, when I read that book, I wanted to read more like it. I wanted to make time to read more like it. And this book um, sat there waiting on a time for us all to get together. And it's live. This is one of the only the second shows that are not on Zoom since we've been off during the pandemic and I'm I'm inspired and I think called by this book. So I'm here with really cool people today that just harmonize with me on the opening. So um, can you guys introduce yourself, the things we were talking about earlier, starting with you? Sure. I'm uh, Maddie. I'm the vice president of the Michigan Psychedelic Society. Uh, I just got interested in psychedelics uh, five years ago or so, something like that, maybe longer, through like the likes of Joe Rogan and Duncan Trussell and Ram Dass. Um, and yeah, the thing I loved about this book was kind of discussing the synergistic relationship between allopathic medicine and spirit medicine and kind of dealing with like the the effect on the limbic system and, and things that can't typically be addressed. <laughs> Julie, turn that noisemaker <laughs> Done. off. Done. <laughs> Silence your phones. You caveman. <laughs> Good Lord. White women. Crushing all that candy. Can't even, can't even take them out anymore. Um, so tell me. Julie, were you done, sir, or did we yes. just break yeah, that's okay. covered. I could do it again. I'm sorry. Okay. Julie, tell us. Tell us who you are and uh, how you got interested in this book. Well, hi. Julie Barron. Um, I became interested in this book when it was recommended at the Michigan Psychedelic Society. Um, I was not familiar with it before, but I was familiar with uh, Joe Tefer. And um, if I'm saying that right, how did you say Tafur. it? Tafur. 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 Let's change it every time. <laughs> it, it probably will happen. Um, Tafur. So I, um, I find myself um, very passionate about uh, psychedelics, entheogenic plants, um, and I love that the book that we did before, The mm-hmm. Spirit Plant Medicine, mm-hmm. that was just incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really excited to read this book um, upon suggestion of a lot of people. Um, and we were trying to find ways that Michigan Psychedelic Society could, um, you know, do some work with reeds and weeds. And this was like the perfect, the perfect thing. So, um, yeah. Thank you very much. How about you, sir? 
Uh, my name is Jim. Mm-hmm. I'm, um, I started using uh, entheogenic plants, I guess, way back in, in college, um, just recreationally. And then over the course of the last several years, I uh, got into it for health reasons. This book actually um, was recommended to me by by you for this uh, experience that we're ex- uh, having oh, right now. Oh, okay. So, so good job. I hadn't you. heard of this. I've, <laughs> I've read a few different books on on jungle uh, medicines and whatnot, um, and uh, this is a real nice one. I really liked. I'm sorry. I really liked how this one um, um, uh, writes it down and really breaks down some things that I can relate to. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really happy to be here. This. Um, the great thing about this is it's different for everybody, just like a lot of things mm-hmm. that we experience on this planet, but it also shows us that we're all connected to. Mm-hmm. 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 Ray have you ever done ayahuasca? Oh, Ray Vaughn. Ray Vaughn. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. wow. Uh, hey, write it down. Write it second down. show. I'm nervous. <laughs> it's okay. I understand. Um, I've never uh, heard of it actually until today. Really? Yeah. Uh, You've never heard of ayahuasca? I feel like a virgin. You, what, well, what about mushrooms? I've heard of those. Yes, <laughs> have yeah. you taken them before? Um, if you're willing to say, um, I um, can it was you make a, a list of what drugs you've taken, please. <laughs> um, Dates and times. It was a stem, but I didn't really feel any effects. I don't think oh. I had enough. Oh, well, gotcha. let us know if okay. <laughs> you've changed your mind in the last couple of minutes. <laughs> Maybe we can help. Um, so it's a pretty short list of. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, so the full name of this book is the Fellowship of the River, a medical doctor's exploration into traditional Amazonian plant medicine. And if you've never known anybody in medical school or you've been through medical school, a lot of people will do a a geriatrics fellowship or a a fellowship in a third world country. They'll do a fellowship where they're learning a a specialty somewhere near the end of medical school or while they're at medical school. And um, he, he calls this the fellowship of the river because he was so stressed out in medical school and he actually had one of his best friends try to talk him out of going to medical school. Um, and those two, I think, are they started exploring plant spirit medicine together to heal themselves from, like, the stress and depression, like suicidal depression and stress that he got from medical school, <laughs> from getting a, becoming a traditional MD. Um, so his fellowship of the river refers to the sort of extra learning that he did by going to the Amazon and getting very involved with an ayahuasca shamanic healing community and then sort of training over, I think this book covers about eight years, right? Mm -hmm. It's him like getting into medical school, going to medical school, his peyote journey starting to go as a pasajera and then starting to go back and go back and go back and do the diets and everything. And so Dr. Tafur, and then there's a lot of wonderful, I mean, uh, there's so many things to talk about in this book, but um, that as the framework was one of my favorite things about it because I want more... It's one of those things I've never understood. Like, why would we not? Why why is it unusual that we don't talk about the spirit needing healed? Mm-hmm. And why why isn't that a part of medical school? It's and I've I've always wanted to read more about that. Mm-hmm. Like, how can you? How why isn't it more obvious that it's a missing chunk? Mm-hmm. Um, and our relationship with community and our relationship with nature and held in traumas and things like that. I feel like it's not a huge leap for most people to understand it. So 
Yeah, so that was my basic summary of the book. <laughs> did it? What did I leave out? Did I go through the main things? I mean, that it is really his journey, right? Of yeah, and yeah. And well, he so, won, He wanted to be uh, a shaman, and he yeah. started training for that. Yeah, and he went through a series of different um, uh, trials, I guess, for lack of a better word. He would go mm-hmm. into these diets and fastings um, that occurred for at times uh, months. I think that the biggest one he was asked to do was six months, and I don't think that he ever did that. Because <clears throat> um, he kept having to go back and forth. Yeah. And so, so Ravon, just FYI, ayahuasca is a vine. It's a plant that's a thick vine, and it's made into a ceremonial tea in combination with a couple of other things. And that, with the aid of a shaman... Um, provides like a healing, often purging, vomitive healing, um, visions that clear energies of past traumas, really deep visions. And so people go to, well, I'll let Jim tell as much of his stories as, as he wants to, but people go to a healing center and, and stay for a week or two and do this very intense ceremony for on this very restrictive even. diet. Um, sometimes for six days, sometimes for 12 days, sometimes for three months. Um, to, and so this book is a bunch of case studies of like, help me remember. Help me remember the case studies that they went through. Oh, geez. There were a, a lot. There was the woman with that. I, remember, I always remember the woman with the dry cough. cough. Yeah. Cough. Crohn's disease. Crohn's yeah. disease. Migraine psoriasis. Yeah. Migraine headaches. Psoriasis. Migraine disease elements were like we kind of treat um, the symptoms. Menstrual issues. You know? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Stored sexual violence. PTSD. Mm, yeah. PTSD. Anger yeah. issues. Mm-hmm. So it's um, – so tell me this. I'll, I'll ask this question first. What was surprising? Was there anything surprising about his journey? Because I was surprised by a lot of things. Hmm. I got to say I wasn't surprised by any of it. Because um, you've experienced it. I've experienced it more than a few times. And I've gone to Peru to do it you know, authentically, essentially, mm-hmm. with um, an actual uh, people, tr- uh, shaman um, practicing with his Icarus of songs and um, I feel, you know, a lot better than I did when I went down there. And that was a part of the reason why I went there, to feel better. Um, so it's, it's something that they've been doing for, they say, thousands of years. And a lot of this is handed down generationally from, you know, father to son and so on and mom and, and to daughter and so on. And um, sometimes you'll get, you know, um, you know, a couple that they're both shamans and they both will – Basically, go around the room and sing to you while you're experiencing ayahuasca. And in ayahuasca the ceremonies, you're actually it's at it's usually done at night, um, and you're in a circle with other people, and you have your space, and you pretty much want to stay into yourself. Um, and while you're there, you uh, it's maybe five to six hours of an experience, but while you're there, you're going to be experiencing different emotions along the way and different different things that that you could revisit like this book uh, discusses with traumas that mm-hmm. people have had. It, your brain can bring back those memories sometimes, and that can help relieve some of the trauma you've had. Yeah. I think I was surprised at, I, 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 because 
the most intense psychedelic experience that I've had. I've talked about a lot on the show. And um, like that 30 minutes was enough. <laughs> you know, it was like I didn't need to do it the next day. I didn't need to do it the Ever. next month. <laughs> I'm like <laughs> – I got it, <laughs> you know. So the idea that people will do like two in a night mm. or one every day or two every day while doing this diet, I did not know it was that intense. Was it that intense for you? Did you do several over the course of? Uh, usually when I've gone, it's been for a week. Okay. And you do four ceremonies. Okay. You'll do okay. two uh, in a row mm -hmm. and then you'll have a day off of, of resting mm -hmm. and then come back and do two more. Okay. Um, okay. This idea so. though I really like because what and what – you know, as a practitioner of these medicines, one of the things that happens is you have people who you don't know how they're going to respond to a particular plant medicine and you or medicine in general, and you don't want to overdo it. So it's like you want to – it's really nice if you have the option of doing several things in order to like – you know, maybe the first one's going to be the one, but maybe it's going to be like the third one. You know, maybe like you, mm -hmm. you adjust your uh, your dosing – and you get the person acquainted with the medicine and then you kind of ramp it up a little bit or you back it off. It's like it's more of a relationship is what I start to realize with the medicine um, than just like a one-time kind of experience. Even though the experience that you're talking about, Shelly, I think those are different experiences. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I think when we talk about like DMT or 5-MeO-DMT, we're talking about pure breakthrough, super short-term experiences. Mm -hmm. um, and of which, and I, I, there are people who want that for longer periods of time. I don't think I do. You know, I think yeah. the, the dosage that we use in that medicine ceremony I don't think you. I don't think I could want that more. Um, but um, but I do think it's about building a relationship. So I would consider like if I was to do bufo again, starting at a lower dose and building my dose up to what I think my dose would be in working with my relationship with that medicine. That's kind mm -hmm. of what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Have you have you had an ayahuasca ceremony? I have not interacted with DMT in any form yet. Is ayahuasca thought of as a DMT it form? A, it, it is, is a DMT, DMT form. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Can someone um, define what that means? It's a, a <laughs> tryptamine. Yeah, it's a tryptamine. So it's in a okay. tryptamine class, which is the same as 5-MeO-DMT, DMT, um, actual, what is it? Tri N -N, N -N DMT. Yeah. It's everywhere. It's in all it's plants. Yeah. Yeah. It's in wild grasses and it's, lettuces it's here in, in us, Michigan. I believe, you know, right? Yes. Yeah. We have yeah, DMT we have DMT in our body. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And with ayahuasca, um, <clears throat> the vine itself, um, I forget the scientific name. It's like banister cappy something. Yep. Yeah. And it gets mixed with an MAO inhibitor that makes it give it that psychedelic it quality, which is chacruna. Is it what? Chacruna. Is it not the other way around? Is it the, actually the vine is the <clears throat> MAO? I could be wrong, but I thought the vine was actually the MAOI and then – what they mixed it with was actually really. The I don't know. DMT. I just know you have to have the, be wrong. the DMT and the MAO. Both components are That's in it, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Chakruna is. This is a great thing about this book. There's a glossary. Perfect. Back, <laughs> What's the it's really needed, wonderful? By the way, <laughs> Chakruna. What'd you say? It's needed. The glossary it's is needed. needed. There's a lot of master plants. I really. Yeah, this was great. Okay. Chakruna, which is usually mixed with the ayahuasca vine to make the tea, 
a bush native to the Amazon basin, rich in dimethyltryptamine, a powerful hallucinogen responsible for inducing ayahuasca visions. Include, okay, yeah, yeah. So that is supposed to be the thing that induces it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, so... And they say you can take the ayahuasca vine and mix it with something like mushrooms and get a very similar experience. Uh, That makes sense. Yeah, there's... um, uh, what's the one that people use a lot in the – it's a – Syrian roux. Syrian roux. Um, be careful. Yeah, be careful with that. A lot of people I know like to mix like mushrooms or LSD with Syrian roux, which is an MAOI. And um, it just very deeply enhances the effect. Yeah. I think the interesting about the thing about the book Syrian that brings roux. us out with, with the psychedelics is – how they're helping people with all these traumas, yes. PTSDs, mm-hmm. and autoimmune diseases, and things that a lot of times aren't uh, pointing to a physical ailment, mm-hmm. but a, an emotional ailment, mm-hmm. and how it's connecting our, our our bodies with our our minds, our stomachs, and our heart. Mm-hmm. And I think the heart was the big part of all that mm-hmm. system, mm-hmm. is what mm-hmm. he was uh, writing yeah. in the book about. Yeah. yeah. Um, as far as wellness goes and that love that comes from that, I think, comes from yourself mm-hmm. in order for you to give to others. And then that mm. that facilitates upon itself. And then you have, mm-hmm. you know, a better working body, I think, mm-hmm. an immune system. Yes. Yeah. And it's really it, – it's tricky because um, – it can look very physical, right? We become, we have physical manifestation of our emotional and and spiritual um, disease. Um, this book was so outstanding at compl- outlining that over and over and over mm-hmm. again so clearly. That so was that's the gra- that was the greatest gift of this book for me was the um, the way that it's outlined, the way that it's outlined um, in. Uh, biologically for medical people and scientific people and the way it was outlined um, spiritually. And then like where I find myself is in the middle. Like as a therapist, I find myself not as a shaman and not as a medical doctor, but I find myself in the middle. Mm-hmm. And it, it was it, – it's given me a new like l- new terms. Like we looked up that – what was that? P-N-E-I. Yeah. yeah. The P-N-E-I system. Um, it's given me new terms and new ways to describe um, these things to both sides, right? To both yeah. sides. Of, it was, yeah, just incredible. They mm-hmm. talked a lot about, like, the limbic system and limbic resonance. Um, I think that was actually coming – it came from a book. I think you said it was a general theory of love. <clears throat> like, a lot of stuff I wrote that down. That. I plan to get that book. I mm-hmm. Same, because that mm-hmm. was incredibly interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that it just kept coming back to – was these traumas that occur in your life lead you can lead people down various paths. Sometimes it is a physical ailment like psoriasis or this persistent cough or physical pain. Um, that same trauma can also lead you down a path of substance abuse. And but it all stems back to the same thing. So it's like even yes. when you realize where something came from, the ayahuasca, the medicine, the spirit medicine helps you then actually get back into your limbic system and like heal that, which is why psychotherapy helps, but it doesn't always completely heal. Right. And what people say, it was like eight years of therapy in one night. Right. Yeah. 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 So, um, I texted this book to a couple of friends of mine as I was reading it and, and I, 
I chose people to send it to because there are people who like something was like migraines. A friend of mine who's mm-hmm. tried everything in the world for migraines. My dad grew up with major psoriasis. Like I remember like his whole life, he had big, and every once in a while when he was relaxed, when we were at the beach, when he was in salt water, we would be like, it's the salt water. Uh It's the fact that he's sleeping more. It's his job is stressful. Uh You know, like it would sort of go away and then it would come rearing back. Like it would come back in high stress. He Mm -hmm. would just be like his hair, his arms, his legs would be covered in psoriasis. So I was sending it to people because I was thinking like, why... Well, I guess I really love the fact that it's recognized. This is an obvious manifestation of something, and we're looking at it the wrong way. Or we're trying what we know, but nobody's going, you know, something in your body is so stressed out that it's manifesting in this way, and nobody addresses that thing. And so what's great about this book is if you come at it, I would think, from and you're used to traditional Western medicine— He's acknowledging that. He's mm-hmm. in medical school. But he's also saying, I was taught to ignore yeah. my physically stressed out body as a medical student. Yes. I was suicidal. <clears throat> we, we were exhausted. I couldn't think straight. I wasn't allowed to feel things or whatever. And then I knew that could not be right. Mm-hmm. And so... And he kept through it. His dad kind of said, I really think you... Didn't he have a talk with his dad? Like, I really Mm -hmm. think you need to stay in medical school. Yeah. It was going to open doors for you, right? So he was grateful that he did it, but was called to... um, I'm just hoping this book gets out there enough to where this becomes more normal, Mm -hmm. to where more types of... You know, Western and yes. and ancient medicine yes. is is blend. Because when I was when I was in South Carolina, I was reading this book. I was sitting on the porch a lot with my mom, and my dad passed away last year. We're talking about my dad's psoriasis. I was saying there's this whole chapter on psoriasis, and plus he was an alcoholic, and he had lung cancer, he had heart attacks, and you know, physically, me growing up, it was a stressful job. He worked in the heat all day. He bit his fingernails. You know, like he drank, and then he was sober for 25 years, right? Um, And mom says, right there on the porch, she says, you know, and I wasn't talking to her about trauma. I was talking to her about psoriasis. She said, you know, I feel like he just, like something happened to him that made him like lock up and not really be able to show emotion. You know, he never really showed emotion. He couldn't say, I love you. He couldn't cry. He couldn't, you know, it was torture for him to express emotion. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> no shit. You think, mom? You know, uh-huh. but but also, what a shame. Yeah. Because I'm, it's a shame that he would have maybe never been open to something like this. Like if I'd said, hey, I heard about this ceremony, <laughs> it could be dramatically healing. It takes so long for someone to get open-minded enough. Mm. And maybe this getting out there and Michael Pollan's book getting out there, How to Change Your Mind, like all these books starting to get out into public knowledge so that we're – when we think about migraines, we're not immediately going to like the pill that's $160 a month for the one emergency pill or whatever Mm -hmm. people are doing. Mm -hmm. So – and the people that I know that have suffered with migraines – also have major childhood trauma. Not all of them, but the ones that I've known that have tried a lot of things. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yes. 
So let me ask you, anybody that wants to answer, like when you go to psychedelics, did it start as fun and somehow turn into healing? Or did you think of it as some sort of spiritual, like learning about yourself? When did, did that switch happen? Was it intentional? Good question. It was recreational for me. I started when I was a teenager. So um, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. In a say no to drugs club, right? Mm -hmm. Of course. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Um, so it was, it was recreational, but there was nothing about what I was doing that was recreational, right? That was my intent to use it, but it was never, um, it never like necessarily was that, right? Like Mm -hmm. as soon as you take it, it's a therapeutic experience, regardless of what environment you're in. It may just be therapeutic in a different way that maybe you're not thinking through. But the transition for me was probably because I kind of stayed away from psychedelics for quite a long time um, when I, you know, I, I had children, you know, so it's pregnancy and having young children and then raising my children. I stayed away from them for quite a long time. So it was the end, it was the re-entrance of psychedelics in my life. Not that I didn't use them occasionally in between then, but it was the when they came back into my um, adult life, I would say, um, then the relationship changed. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? I think I had, like, an inherent kind of knowing that they could perhaps be healing, but that was also what terrified me from them. I didn't want to take them because I was like, I don't want to go inside and look at the inside because it's already scary in there. So I'm like, I don't want to look at that. So um, I avoided them for the longest time. I, I there was one time where I did try to use them recreationally, and it went fine. And it was it opened my eyes a bit. But um, yeah, it wasn't until later that I started hearing about it more, and you know, just through podcasts and like kind of pop culture. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, maybe this could be useful. And it was in a time in my life where I was like, okay, this is this is the time where I want to do the inner work. And so it flipped my perspective. And then yeah, so yeah, I did kind of go with it from that perspective in a weird way. Yeah. I was very recreational with things like acid and mushrooms in college, probably after college and probably ecstasy. There was a time period. (laughs) But then I kind of went away from it completely, like for a long time, because I think I felt like the last few times, like late 20s maybe or early 30s, the last couple of times... It was like too much. People were trying too hard. It was the wrong scene. It was, oh, I don't want to feel like this around these people. There wasn't enough trust or setting or or something. You know, it was weird. Um, what is profound, though, I think what is undeniable is that the healing that we're trying to do in Western medicine there's so many misses and we forgive them. We forgive them. And it drives me fucking crazy, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. People go, well, I went and I thought I had trouble with my digestion. I'm like, well, what did they talk to you about your diet? Um, nothing. I know. Nothing. Just got a shot or you know, just took a pill. It's like, so you didn't talk about what you're eating and there's something wrong with your digestion. Nobody poked you. Nobody looked <laughs> at your physical body. Nobody asked you about stress. Nobody asked you about... What? Like they never even it's maybe they took an x-ray like in this book even there's like this guy went and he got screened. They said nothing was wrong with him. Right. 
but they were, oh, it was him, wasn't it? They told him he had med school disease. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's like, oh, it's just a rite of passage. Right. It's a really sick rite of passage. You have med school disease. Don't worry. It's just your body and soul breaking down. Exactly. (laughs) By living in a completely unnatural way. (laughs) You'll be better once you do psychedelics in like five years. Then you go forward to help people, you know, after this med school when you're being brutalized. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. And people uh, look at that kind of, I just did a. 24-hour shift, you know, like, when I hear about that and it's this proud thing, I'm like, that sounds like it's really bad for you, <laughs> you know? Yes. Like, there's nothing that makes me excited about someone going into surgery after 24 hours of being awake. That's, Mm-mm. I mean, wait, good on you, but fuck. So, Okay. So I told you guys to write down things that you want to talk about or words or whatever. So let's get to that because I could sit here and <clears throat> ooh and ah and wonder at all the stories. So, Ravon, just so you know, um, this book is arranged as sort of like he starts med school. He starts – the author starts on his own journey. And then he's, he's kind of doing his own work and he starts on a peyote spirit journey with his friend that gets him through really his, I think, his final year of medical school. Like he does not really want to go back to medical school. He's hating it. And he does a peyote spirit journey and kind of like is able to get through it. Maybe we can talk about that. But then there's all these case stories about people that are coming to this center, an ayahuasca healing center, and what they've tried before. Like it's it's set up like, okay, this is this guy and he was in these wars and then he got divorced and then he had it started having this trouble with his colon or you know and it and it leads them up to all even up to the follow-up a year later um and it does that with all these different cases and so the stories are great they're emotional just what the people write about mm, their own healing yes. and uh. hearing people very people from all all walks of life saying, well, um, you know, then a, then I became a warrior and then my brain became snakes and then <laughs> my feet became trees and then I caught on fire and then I sang and then I died. But then I came back to life as a lizard. And then that's all just like in the <laughs> afternoon. And then later on, and they just write about it like, it, like it's just a thing. Like that's the healing they went through and they under, as they understand it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's amazing. And you would never think like, oh, oh, okay, let me give you this pill. Right. That's not the healing. The healing is this whole like magical adventure sort of. Yes. So, yeah. How so long is the book actually? This long. <laughs> well, it's, it's not. Had, it's, it's a nine-hour book. Oh, that's not bad. Yes, yeah, nine hours. Right. <laughs> I listened to yeah. it on double speed. Two, 247. Uh, you did? You could do that? Um, it's... It's so good. I would definitely recommend it. If you have a long drive, really if you have a long drive, I would definitely recommend it because it's, so it'll really probably open you up to, if you know people who have like chronic issues and have never been able to heal over years, it's, so yeah, take it away. Somebody, I'm passing the ball. Well, I, ju- I just wanted to talk about the, um, the preparation okay. and then the integration. Okay. It goes along with it a little bit because it's important to... To do research. Like you, you said, well, people went down, you know, or actually that's a whole different story. Never mind. But <laughs> <laughs> COVID. COVID brain. COVID. Um, COVID. But, uh, you know, the, the preparation sometimes can be for months, if not a year, of clearing your body out of things that you've been consuming, uh, whether it be, you know, sugar and heavy spices or 
or meats and dairy. Um, you know, violent things on television or, or violent, like heavy songs, you know, like heavy rock or, or whatever. Um, any of that stuff you want to slowly wean yourself off of. And people who, who take SSRIs definitely have to get off of those slowly before they take ayahuasca because it can give you a serotonin or dopamine increase, right? Serotonin syndrome. Yeah. yeah. And um, so you have to be careful with, with any pharmaceuticals you're taking. But this is all in preparation for the experience of, of who they call meeting Mother Ayahuasca. And, you know, she's, she's like Mother Nature, essentially, who's like who runs it all. And she's not there to be your friend necessarily, but she's there to help you and guide you. And these are things like if you if you're gonna take something like ayahuasca and and try to like do some research on the tribe you would be doing it with. Like is it the Shipibo tribe? Is it is it a different tribe? Um there's so many different ones. And uh do some research on that and that'll help you going in before. I'm just having serious deja vu right now. Are so, you? Yeah. Oh, really? So tell me um, about your experience. What called you to do it? Was it a specific type of healing that called you? Um, Was it you know, curiosity? No, I, I had, uh, you know, I have a genetic thing that my grandfather apparently had. He lost his eyesight when he was about my age. Mm-hmm. And um, some autoimmune that he suffered from. He tried to do it homeopathically. Way back in the day, but it, he succumbed to it, and it's a it's a uveitis that affects a lot of people. Um, I come to find out when they get a little older, um, and you get a lot of inflammation in your eyes. Mm-hmm. You have to take a lot of steroids. That leads to you know the breakdown of your retina. You have to sometimes have retinal surgeries to correct that, and it's just a constant cycle of medicines that are preventative. And my goal after trying all these other Western medicines was to find something that was natural that could help me. And someone came into uh, Ohm of Medicine when I was working at the time and said, you should look into this. Mm-hmm. So he gave me the place to go, which is always good. Having, And I think the book even suggests you, you get someone to recommend a shaman yes. to go see because yes. of you know, the unscrupulous ways some of the shamans <clears throat> practice their, their ceremonies. Um, and uh, he gave me the name to a, a place called Pulse uh, that's now called Soterra. Um, and they're in uh, Costa Rica. But at the time, they had been in Peru and going down there um, uh, to see if I could battle this eye thing was my goal, uh, to ba- basically alleviate myself of it and cut whatever lineage and um, genetic uh, you know, thing I've, I'm taking on from my ancestors. Accumulated. You know? mm-hmm. Allopathic load. Is that mm. what it's called? Yeah. I think, um, I think so. Word. Let's look it up in that glass. Yeah, because right I wrote, I for some reason wrote down allostatic. Allostatic load? Is it allostatic or allo? Because allopathic, I think, is the type of medicine, but I think allo, well, I'm not, I want to know. Is allo, allostatic load. Allostatic. Allostatic yeah. load, stress related wear and tear measured through stress induced physiologic changes. Mm-hmm. And as he's describing these people, when they were describing each person, were you picturing someone that you know? Oh, with all these things, of course. Yeah. In parts of myself and yeah. parts of mm-hmm. other people that yeah. I know, of course. Yeah. yeah. And you know that person who's always been trying to get over that one thing. Of course. Mm-hmm. And if you've known someone long enough, you know, <clears throat> like if they never forgive 
blank, they're never going to lose 15 pounds or whatever it is. Like there's something that they're holding on to and they're literally storing it. Hmm. Literally, like if, if I don't change the view of being a victim that started when I was this age, I'm never going to get out of this situation now mm-hmm. with my finances or, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And you can so clearly yeah. see sometimes this is their thing and probably psychotherapy helps. But what is amazing is the kind of the, – I'm so glad that he does so many different examples of – People, ages, symptoms, everything, because to become open-minded enough to go, there's got to be a different way to heal, first of all. And why wouldn't it have something to do with my relationship to the earth and what my body's been through, what my parents' bodies went through, trauma? Mm -hmm. Because most people can say like, oh, I got stressed out and I got sick. Most people can relate to that on a basic level. I've been running too hard, not not eating right, and then I got sick. So it's like this is only that, <laughs> but built up over a long, oh, long yes. time, ignored, Lifetimes, buried, yeah. aggravated, taped together until it just completely breaks down. Sometimes you don't even know. It's underneath. Yeah. yeah. Most times like people don't know. Like the examples in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, if yeah. you guys remember the woman that uh, – Recalled her sexual abuse as a yes. kid. Yeah. Yes. That she didn't even yes. know it existed yeah. until it happened. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's yeah. Pretty, pretty sad. It is. Yeah. yeah. But, so, was her name Sharon? Shannon? I don't know. I, I can't remember what her name was. There's an example of a woman, and she's come, she's had, um, gosh, weight issues, skin issues. She's had... What, what there's a main thing though. It's she's not the one with the cough, right? No, that's someone, someone different. Else. Yeah, that's someone different. Else. But what they're able to see in a ceremony, and will somebody describe the ceremony the way they describe it at this center? One of you guys just describe kind of like how they do the ceremony in the center with the smoke and the singing and everything. Well, I can say they start in the the maloka, right? Yeah. Is the the place that they all go. And to me, it sounds like it's a circular building yeah. with sort of a, well, he described it, doesn't have a pole in the middle. This one was interestingly built so that it was different, but it sounds wood and it, it seems like, I guess that it's open. Did you do yours in Maloka? Yes. Yeah. Is it open? Yeah. It has that like a, a conical like structure up top that connects and uh, you have open, open air because there are screens around. You know, uh, there are going to be some uh, – they have little mosquito things that are burning around sometimes uh, in the jungle depending on the time of year. Um, yeah, it's dark. There will be a candle burning. It's usually a good hour before the ceremony begins. They ask you to be there being quiet um, and, and just peace to yourself. And uh, once it starts, you're really supposed to keep to yourself. And you'll go up and sit in front of the shaman, um, and they'll ask you how much you want to do and – you you tell them, and they pour it into a glass, and while you sit there, you know, briefly, you put your intention into the glass. Like, uh, it's kind of cool, because I think that the intention really goes a long way when you concentrate, and you have, you've put your, the last three months, perhaps, mm-hmm. or six months, 
into, you know, knowing you're going to be doing this and mm-hmm. just that buildup of your intention now is, is finally finalizing. And, uh, so you drink that and then you sit back on your mat and wait for it to come on. It's usually about 45 minutes for me every time, uh, I'll start to get a little hot and tingly and start to feel it, it, uh, slowly take over. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, uh, you know, required to stay on your mat, not to really talk to anybody, but the facilitators that are there helping. Um, and a lot of times they'll go around, and he even mentions in the book, like the, the his, uh, Ricardo, or I forget what his name was, Ronaldo? Yeah, I think uh, it was Ricardo. Yeah, yeah. he um, kept on, uh, you know, telling him to go and look for people and look for, yes. find people find who need help. help. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. and look for that. And uh, mm-hmm. that's that's something that, you know, it can be easy to do, but sometimes hard because sometimes people are so into themselves yes. and quiet, but there's so much going on inside. Mm-hmm. So you can't always tell by looking at someone that they're battling dragons. Exactly. Wow. Isn't that great? Why, like, this is such an important point of why it's so important that you work with somebody who understands the medicine and who can see beyond the physical mm. thing that's going yes. on. Yes, that because is. Because physically there could be nothing going on, and that, yes. exactly what you described, there but the was. person could be in, like, a spiritual war. You yeah, know? there was that um, – the I, there was that one man who, in that story, said find someone who's struggling, and um, – and I think he he imagined that he was having a really, really tough time. But he's like, oh, oh I was actually having yes, the greatest time. But physically, yes. he looked like he was just, so it could be either yes, way. Yes, either way. Around. But, but, yeah, the shop, but, but the shaman, yeah, they, they see this with their vision and yes. in interaction with ayahuasca. They see this and then they come in with the, map, the mapacho smoke and they, you know, blow it on them and sing their ikaros to them. Yes. And the interesting thing is how people say they respond to that and how it – can literally shift things and push it through them. And yes. that's mm-hmm. what I think is incredible about it is like that mm-hmm. energy that just comes from another person who like mm-hmm. deeply understands the medicine yes. and how they can work with them. With it. It's funny you say that, Maddie, because um, I had uh, the shamans, like one of the facilitators came up to me one of my first times doing ayahuasca. And I must have looked, like you say, you know, like I was not having a good time. Mm-hmm. And she asked me, are you okay? Mm-hmm. And I, I thought I said, yeah, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Like real quietly. And she took that as, oh, my, he needs he needs help. And what they do, <laughs> like if they really want to pull you from this, and it, this is in the, the book as well, they get what's called aqua de la flora. I just thought of uh, that too. And yes. this is uh, aqua de flora is a uh, – um, Little bottle of, of floral water that <laughs> smells too. delicious. It's it amazing. smells amazing. Mm-hmm. It's such a beautiful smell. But they'll they'll put that in their mouth and then they'll blow it over your head, over the back of your your crown, basically. Mm-hmm. And it really wakes you up. It feels like mm-hmm. someone has blown sunshine on you. Yeah, kind of yeah. clears Good you description. out um, mm-hmm. of of what you're experiencing. In some cases, if it's bad like bad energies and whatnot, because mm-hmm. it's all about that energy. Yeah. So were you scared? Yeah, sure. You were scared? Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Were you scared every I time? I was so scared. My heart was was going so fast. Mm. I uh, I passed out the very first time I did it. Oh. Mm-hmm. oh and I woke wow. up to a couple people helping me back up. Oh. And I had uh, just, you know, everything around me went into the, the dark, you know, circle. And, mm-hmm. and then I woke up a second later mm-hmm. and then I sat back down on my mat and then I went in and experienced it. And it was, uh, wow. it was awesome. 
And so then the second time, like, would you be scared now going into it? Or are you kind of like, the okay. The second time, you know, the thing about ayahuasca, and, and you respect the medicine, you respect the process, you respect the culture, the rituals. And, you know, sometimes you can get rewarded in cases if you ask nicely. And the second mm. night, I asked not to, um, not to get sick, not to pass out, mm. not to have an irregular heart rate. Mm. I asked nicely. And I huh. did not have any of those bad experiences the second night. Wow. The second night, I, um, I stood there. I actually sat cross-legged with my hands on my knees, uh, pointed up towards the sky. And there were, you know, two giant beams of energy. Basically, mm. I was harnessing from coming from the sky mm. in both palms. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was that lasted the entire ceremony, and I was able really? to feel with that. I was wow. able to look around, and I saw. He mentions looking and seeing like a, a green bubble ab- above someone's head, mm-hmm. and I could look around and see green and then red when people weren't doing so well above their see, heads. See, that's like they were the like thing that you need. Of, that's what's needed, right? Yeah. You have to have somebody that can see that. Yeah, you so do. I was seeing that around see and trying to take people's. I mean, this was like the second time I'd ever done it, and I was just trying Dang. to be productive. I've heard, I've heard that before, that people will do that in ceremony. They're just like, uh-huh. just, you're participating in ceremony, but like you see something on someone else, and you're like yes. trying to, you're having an okay time, so you're trying to kind of yeah. spiritually help, help mm-hmm. facilitate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. You're supposed to stick to yourself. Yeah, they yeah. tell you not but, to. See, but people do it. Yeah, people do so it anyway. I, right. It's, yeah. it's, yeah. yeah. Well, probably because we're not. Like, we're not trained. We're not trained. We're not trained. Mm -hmm. That's what Mm -hmm. it is. So that is a really amazing mystical thing is, have any of you experienced any of the other master plants? So one of the things that, as he's telling stories of people coming to the center, and I kind of want to focus in on one of the case studies, if you guys have one that you really that you marked or anything just to give people a sense of what it's like. But as he is becoming the, the, the shamans that are training him are, are, are dieting him. The regular diet is sort of a meat free, no sugar, no salt, no alcohol, no sex, no spices, um, basically like fish and plantains and very just plain food. And, um, but then are added in over time, um, Pinon Blanco, Bobensana, Ayahuma, Ahosacha, Marosa, and Peyote. Um, and I think there might even be another one, but th- there are things that they put him on also to open him up, to train him. And it just made me realize, like, there's this entire universe of plants. Mm-hmm. That of magical plants. There are magical yeah. plants mm-hmm. on this earth that yeah. I don't know about. And I feel yeah. gypped. Yeah. Like, yes. Wait a minute. Right. I need to get on this, you know? I think you started out on coca, which mm-hmm. is oh, yeah, coca leaf. Yeah, coca leaf. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for a long time, a long too. Time. Yeah, yeah that's, that was interesting. Um, yeah, I've heard of these master plants before, and I've heard stories of people spending months with them. I, I know of someone yeah. who I think I he worked, worked with, with Pino Blanco. Oh, okay. you did. So, myself. what was yeah. that? Well, yeah. tell me about that. Was it a tea? Was it a what was it? Well, in that case, I had a tea that they had made mm-hmm. with Pinon Blanco, and it was just uh, tasted like chamomile, really. Mm. 
And did they um, choose that for you? They chose that for me uh, specifically, and they chose tobacco for other people. Mm-hmm. How long did you do that? I drank that uh, every day for the entire week. For a yeah. week. But there okay. are people, like they suggest in the book, who go into isolation, and they go yeah. off from the, the regular, you know, camp, and yeah. they are isolated doing these plant medicine diets mm-hmm. that are helping them, like, for different causes. Mm. Um, so there's, yeah, there's definitely a, a longevity to to using those plants. And you're right. There's there's so many out there, and a lot of it's not mm. even written down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'll say that uh, Dennis McKenna, uh, Terrence McKenna's brother, is opening up the McKenna Academy oh, in right. Lima, Peru, right. that is going to be studying plant medicine. Oh, I want to um, go. And mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I have a question. Okay. Since a lot of these plants aren't medically accepted, um, and it's... In this country. In this country, in right. In this country. Of course. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, where do you get it? Good question. Well, so this this guy started a, a center in Peru, and the first time he went, um, he went, he heard about a, a church in... Mexico? Where did he do peyote? Yeah. Mexico? Mexico so he heard about um, peyote, peyote spirit walking, and him and his friend drove 600 miles or something. I thought it was in the U.S. Was it in New Mexico? It was in New Maybe Mexico. Maybe it was New Mexico. Mexico. Yeah, New Mexico. And oh, so it was New Mexico. You find <laughs> not old Mexico. Um, so you, you find people. And then in this mm-hmm. book, he actually, like, there's a website. Here's the center mm-hmm. where you can do ayahuasca. You can Google it. <laughs> <laughs> there's a center in you can Florida. It. Yeah. Soul Quest Ayahuasca Church um, in Florida. You know, there are also people in our local area that, that practice. Um, and that's where you kind of have to talk to people, you know, on, in the underground. You know, talk to people who know. Yeah, so um, the the place that he starts is called Nihu Rao. And the stories, most of the stories are from people who've come to Nihu Rao and what their situations were when they got there and sort of what the ceremonies uncovered for them. And what he does a beautiful job. So I'll just, I think it was Sharon that we were talking about. Sharon... Um, do 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 Sharon do do had psoriasis. She was the one with psoriasis. So can you picture what psoriasis is? Do you know what it is, Ravon? I don't actually. So I know what psoriasis is because my grew up. My dad had it all the time. If you've never heard of it, it's this patchy, scaly skin that for my dad it was all over his legs. It was in his hair. It was on his arms, and it was just a part of his life. They were, he, they were always putting him on creams. They were always giving him pills. They were yeah. he, the red light blasting when we would go to the beach and he would be in salt water for a week. It would get slightly better. So we thought it was just because he was. Is it like a leprosy? What? You said this. You mentioned this already. Oh, yes, yes. Um, no. Not, no, because it doesn't like kill your skin. It's more like extremely inflamed. It's itchy, right? isn't it? Is it itchy? It's also? itchy. It's I think itchy. it can be painful Incredibly and itchy. itchy. Yeah. A lot yeah. of flaky skin going it's a, it's on. It's an autoimmune. It's a it's it an is issue autoimmune. with your, your yes. reaction of something. Yes. Cytokine. Yeah. Yeah. So Sharon's dermatologist prescribed triweekly treatments of UVB phytotherapy. Um, 
You have to put a, she, she described it, you have to put a bag over your head and cover all mm. the parts where you don't have psoriasis. Week in and week out, these regular clinic visits interview, interfered with her work life, limiting her to freelance jobs. So it did improve a little bit with phototherapy. Um, it's identified as a genetic disease triggered by environmental factors. So that means it came from someone you know and the world made it worse, I guess. <laughs> that happened. So, um, you know, her father had a little bit. Maybe her sister had a little bit. And she she basically came to alternative, quote, alternative medicine desperately trying to find a way because if you have it you don't want to expose your arms and legs and you you're always itching and you're always wondering if people can see this big patch on your neck and all this so she was diagnosed with leaky gut syndrome and then um one day she heard about ayahuasca which a friend told her was quote a weird thing you take and then you puke your brains out all night (laughs) another friend told her that it's like doing seven years of therapy in one night so she did ayahuasca before she went to Peru. Um, she saw herself flying on a bird and leaving my hometown, heading south. She started having all these visions of the Amazon. The, f- the first night of her ceremony, she cried the entire night. She was consumed thinking about her cousin who had cerebral palsy and had been really neglected. Um, there was... She had a... I'm trying to find the part where she... Because she comes back. Oh, here's here's the word that I learned. So she had been a heavy marijuana smoker. And one of the things I had never heard of, but I have understood before, is shitana, S-H-I-T-A-N-A, which means a lot of plant medicines have a dark energy and a light energy. And the dark side of... Most people would probably understand it as a bad trip mm-hmm. in whatever way you would see that. But the dark side of um, of her overuse of marijuana was emotional congestion, lethargy, apathy, anxiety, and paranoia. So used haphazardly, marijuana is believed to leave a sticky energy within the energy body. It clings to emotional traumas, holding them in, slows emotional progress and development. So she went in to clean it out with Aho Sacha, the diet ceremonial work. Um, and she started realizing that her skin was just a cry for help. Mm. Like, look at yourself, look at yourself, look at yourself. Like, she kept having to look at her skin. Mm. And um, she had gotten a colonic. And she remembers the hydrotherapist saying, your gut should be soft. Guts are soft, but yours are hard. Mm. And she didn't realize that she stored emotions in her gut Mm -hmm. Um, so she purged she massaged her belly she was on a special diet Um, they started seeing energetic problems during ceremony in her uterus caused by her sexual trauma Mm -hmm. Um, there was a special one of the shamans was kind of sent to her to work specifically on that energy of releasing that. So just think about how different of an experience of healing that is already. Like first we need to throw up, then we need to understand why you're addicted to this, why you're protecting yourself. Then we need to see this as a cry for help. Then we need to see that you had this trauma. It's so many layers. Yeah. And I feel like Western medicine goes like, well, your chart's 
<laughs> your right. charts look fine. Right. Your blood looks fine. Right. Maybe it's all in your head. And he starts the book with that, and he's like, well, even if it is. It is. Well, that's an acknowledgment right. of the fact that it, I mean, it is. There but is it's, something it's else there. Built in, yeah, it's ingrained mm-hmm. into you. Like, it's yeah. Yeah. built into your body now that exactly. started as a quote-unquote psychological trauma. Western medicine also acknowledges, you know, the uh, placebo effect, which yes. would be yes. effectively. Like, and they address that in the book. And you can mm-hmm. a- anecdotally be like, okay, so all of this spiritual stuff is placebo effect. But yeah. Yeah, it's like we're explaining it, but we we dismiss it. It's like it's yeah. this. Yeah, it's just. Not but important. then we. But then we dismiss it. We, exactly. We dismiss it. It's like yeah. you 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 vaguely define it and mm-hmm. then just dismiss it rather than mm-hmm. where this brings it joins the two. And so. he does talk about he talks about white um, spirit. Did he describe the placebo effect? Do you guys remember when he said yes, 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 and yes. The, and that um, the Shipibo people describe it as the white spirit. Um, and this is what I actually found very fascinating because then what he did, I'm trying to pull up my notes, but what he did was he then took these things that we're brushing off, oh, it's all in your head, or th- this placebo effect, or all these things that we kind of push to the side and think are unimportant, and he put he made, he made put terms to them and explained them how biologically, spiritually, and emotionally mm-hmm. it's happening and connected within the body. That was what was so brilliant about the whole thing, right, was his ability to put actual words to that, talk about not only their importance, but their, their complete, like, baseline of this whole experience, right, um, and then made it in terms that everybody could understand. Like I said before, whether you're a doctor or a shaman or, you know, or anyone in between, right? And the other thing I want to say, too, a minute ago is that we have this idea in um, America, for whatever reason, that anyone that, like, has plant medicine or does psychedelics or, or offers it to somebody else is a shaman. We have this weird association of what a shaman is. And I think this book really clarified to me what a shaman is, <laughs> right? Like, okay, okay, now I have such a deeper understanding of what that is. And and I want to point out, too, is that the, the, the essence of shamanic healing is not about ayahuasca, right? It's about energies. It's about looking at more than what's, you know, our, our five senses that we're trained to do are looking at. It's about looking at all the plant medicines. It's like, mm-hmm, it's looking mm-hmm. at so much of a bigger picture. Um, and uh, yeah. The plants are like understanding. They're the tools in a shaman's toolbox. The, the, the plants are, yes. this is the yes. Pinon Blanco is the one that isn't it supposed to bring like the light, like mm-hmm. so that you can see or whatever. Like the idea of the years of study, he even talks about that. Yes, he says like this is not a quick. <laughs> you don't just go yeah. through like quick shaman school. Yeah, <laughs> you learn and you learn and you learn and you learn and and. And even to the point where he said, this is higher education. The plant, yeah. the diet that I'm doing with the plant is my education. So much of what they know, what mm-hmm. they've learned and they pass on is like, the plant told us this. Yes. You know, yes. the ayahuasca told us this. The plant we're dieting with told us this. Um, yes. I mean, that's, that's how they said they learned. You know, that's the story that everybody tells is how ayahuasca came to be. It's, you know, the plants, the jungle yes. told, yeah. uh, told us to combine these two plants. 
Exactly. Yeah. And I want to say, too, this is a, a note that I took that I think is really important. And I think this is uh, taken out of our traditional Western um, education, and especially with practitioners, specifically medical practitioners, is that um, when I went to school um, in my master's program, and this is a unique program, but um, they required, I went to school to be a therapist, they required that I do therapy, that I am engaging in therapy personally. And they, you know, we're, we're, we're learning about how to use meditation. You know, we were required to spend a certain amount of hours in meditation and have meditation instruction. And this is one of the things that his training was to do the healing on himself and to work with other people. And I think this element specifically is what's missing in most Western um, practitioner education is the complete self-engagement in the process that you're working with. Um, yeah, that's really important to me. Yes. And mm-hmm. if you happen to be a medical student or a medical doctor, and you happen to be listening to this, or you happen to have read this book, I would really like to know what you think about this book. I would really like to know if you're a teacher, I would really like to know what, who's, I would really like to know what Gus Rosanio thinks about this book. <laughs> you know <laughs> you what? Know, he read to... uh, Spirit Plant Medicine, by the way. Oh, he did? Yes, he did. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh. I saw him posting about it on Facebook, and I engaged in some kind of conversation. It was quite a while ago, so I don't remember. But, um, yeah. Yeah. I would, yeah, I'd love to pick his brain about this a little bit. There's a – so the thing that you just said about – The, the disconnect between what I'm learning to be a healer and healing yourself and how for some reason we have discredited that. Yeah. Just because you've been through this, you think you can help. It's like, yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. And that's how I think it's probably supposed to work. It's yes. like the let the earth teach us. Yes what we're supposed to do, yes. you know? And you don't have to just take your experience. You take your experience and then you train. And yes. then you and then you focus your skills and then you get teacher. You know what I'm saying? So like there's a lot yes, onto yes. that. Yeah. Yes, and just because it's not like, just because you didn't pay $60,000 a year for it and you don't have a piece of paper on your wall, it doesn't mean you don't understand healing. That's right. And that amount of, it's frustrating to think about the way I grew up, some things were looked at as sort of like hokey or not real. Oh, they're mm-hmm. just a old Indian medicine woman. I'm mm. like, well, <laughs> she's probably a wise motherfucker, mm. you know? Like, yes. um, so she's got like ancient teachings under right. her belt, and somehow we're supposed to respect our elders, but not them, uh-huh. even though they're old and wise. Like, I don't understand that. Why do we put this? Mm-hmm. You know, they have a certificate on their wall, and that's why they get to heal. And that person you shouldn't trust because they're using these methods. It's like, well, so you trust this, just somebody saying, well, your only option is surgery, or you're just going to be depressed forever and be on this thing, rather than... That reminds me of something else. This is really important. This is really important to the work that I do, specifically. Um, so I kind of want to just read what I wrote down. Okay. Um, the genetic trauma that get, get that gets passed down to genes and, and the way that we diagnose in Western medicine gives people the thought process that I have a disease, 
right? Or this mm-hmm. was passed down in my genes so that I'm stuck with it, right? But the reality is, and I like the 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 words that he used for specifically, this is a software problem. This is not a hardware problem. Yes. These are software problems. That means yes. it can change. Yeah. Yeah. That's really key to working with anybody in any type of healing area is that they ha- you ha- they have to have the message yeah. that this is changeable. Yeah. That was a really important um Part. I remember that part of the book because that was where he was looking at this woman's DNA and he saw like a dragon <gasps> yes. swimming yes. within the strength yes. of DNA. Yes. <laughs> you might have the genes for something. We all have genes for a lot of things and a lot of those genes aren't turned on. But the whole thing theory of epigenetics, which is mm-hmm. very popular right now, is mm-hmm. you can have a gene for something. Something can run in your family. And it may or may not get turned on or off. And I think that may be part of the reason why when you see – like two people can have the same types of trauma and it manifests in completely different yes. ways for those two different people. And it might be those epigenetics. Some people, it will show up this way and other people, it'll yeah. show up that way. And yeah. maybe it's supposed to be like that. You know, maybe right. you're supposed to go through that trial. Right, right. Nice. Yes, yes. Yeah, listen to how they, okay, so chapter 20 is called epigenetics, inheritable stresses, and release through spiritual healing. Mm -hmm. I began searching for common ground between indigenous knowledge and Western science and ended up finding links between shamanism and molecular biology. In the book, The Cosmic Serpent, ooh, I want to read that, I presented the hypothesis that shamans take their consciousness down to the molecular level and gain Mm -hmm. access in their visions to information related to DNA, which they call animal essences or spirits. So getting able to like understand your own DNA or see someone else's DNA. Mm. Ooh, that's cool as shit. So um, Lisa's migraine problem, their diagnosis, think about how different this is. This is amazing. Ricardo and the Shipibo shamans diagnosed Lisa's migraine problem as an energetic problem, a spiritual problem. In order for Lisa to heal, three things would need to happen. One, she would need to be cleansed spiritually of problematic energies. Two, she would need to reconcile and transform through forgiveness, her difficult memories and prior experiences. And three, she would need to find a way to love and accept her father. Right? And I'm thinking... Can you imagine going in for something? You're going in for migraines or whatever. <laughs> and they're like, okay, here's what you got to do. You're like, wait a minute. My friend just left with a prescription. You know, I'm like, why, why can't I do this? Like, well, we could do that. But do you really want to get rid of these? Then we're going to have to do all these things. That's so, yes. it's so refreshing. I feel like that's what happens in the uh, medical practice that I work at, and I work in a medical clinic part of my time, and I feel like people come in for a very specific, like, treatment, like a medical Mm -hmm. treatment, and then they do all this talking with them and talk about brain and brain plasticity and all of these things that we're talking about here, and then they kind of, like, push them onto therapy, and then I'm like, okay, (laughs) here's what we need to do, and they kind of walk away with, like, a list like that. Definitely not what they think they're getting in for, and some people are open to it, and some people are not. And maybe not at that point in their life, maybe not with me, maybe, you know what I mean? But um, that is, I feel like that's what needs to be happening. That's how it needs to be. Like we're all sitting here going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there, when I was at home talking about this book with a couple of people, there's such a leap between 
the medical establishment that we're used to, I think, in America, if you use traditional Western medicine, where a lot of your medical experience is like forms and being put on a scale and then trying to figure out if your insurance works and then kind of like sticking your tongue out, like you're in a sterile environment, you're not standing on the earth, no one at, there's no thought about trauma or uh, heartbreak or abuse or or who you are on who any you are level. on any level yeah I mean even at the basic like what what are you eating what do you sleep at night do you digest <laughs> your food will you poop enough like none of that even comes into play none of the natural world isn't yes. even connected it feels like yes it's so weird I mean there's poking and prodding there are some good doctors out there though oh yes yeah. of course of course yeah and there's shift, there is shift happening and doctors are starting to wake up a little bit and that's why what we were saying in the beginning if we can start to get these books in the hands of more people and have these discussions mm-hmm. the more and more and more people that yeah. can have these experiences and these discussions the better we're going to be I have legitimate trauma connected to the medical, medical <laughs> so, I do too. So it I is triggering. Do. It is yeah. triggering for yes, me. So me I too. know there's great doctors out there. Mm-hmm. I know there are. Mm-hmm. They were not the ones that I encountered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the system that I got put into was not the system where they there was either health or care. You know, the health care system that I was sort of put through didn't really have anything to do with health or care. It was more like sick money paperwork <laughs> trauma like it didn't yeah. have anything to do with anything you know yeah. so um and there were some really helpful people that probably tried to break through to me but they were doing it within that system and it was really hard for me to let my guard down to be vulnerable yeah. in any way in that mm-hmm. system like mm-hmm. you know i know you're looking at your watch like i know you want me out of here i'm just a i'm the patient you've been assigned like i I get it. You don't even know my name. You know, no idea who I am. Like, so this spoke to me because it was like a, wow, this is a completely different, it's a hopeful, you know, message for me. Even Dr. Tafor would say, it's like, we've got the emergency medicine part down. If you have like a traumatic, like physical injury and you need to be sewed up or we need to repair something and like, that's that's where our medicine just excels. Yes. We can fix that thing and save your life. You know, whereas doing an ayahuasca ceremony while you're bleeding out may not <laughs> work as well. That's probably as, not a great idea. Don't but, try that. Don't, don't try that. Don't try yeah. that. Yeah. Last resort. for emergency medicine. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, 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 you know, and I think that's yeah, that's kind of the beauty of you know where he's coming from with that is yes. you know acknowledging yes, we've done a lot of beautiful things with. Western medicine, but also we were missing the mark on so many areas. And, yes. Yeah. And he does he does acknowledge all of that in the book. Mm-hmm. All of the Western medicine hating is coming directly from me and is not sponsored <laughs> by this book or this program or any of its participants and just my personal experiences. Not anyone in Michigan in particular or the University of Michigan medical system. Um, yeah, well, because his that is his background. That is his baseline of understanding is, is that medicine. I think my frustration comes from how common these stories are and how many people out there are hurting from and from inflammation and from and then when you get to know them you realize like oh there's this is a reflection of stress or trauma or you can see it mm-hmm. 
you can kind of see it. And you know they're not going to heal physically until they let go of that toxic thing in their life that's actually like being a toxic force. Mm -hmm. It could be from six months ago. It could be from 30 years ago. Yeah. But as long as it's still like lodged in their psyche, it's creating inflammation somewhere that they can't find. They change their diet. They... So what's magical to me is the idea of a plant that I've never heard of that people know so well that they can administer it and it can open up so you can see ancestors, so that you can see yeah. your DNA, that you yeah. can see. That's I really appreciated that part specifically about taking the things out, right? Taking some of the things out specifically. Um, And, you know, Jim, I remember when you were preparing, I think you were um, preparing to go to Peru the last time that you went. And I remember because you came over and we're all smoking a ton of weed and you're like opening the windows. And But but there's – and this book laid out really clearly – the great benefit in that is the clarity because one of the things I know as a medicine practitioner is that there's a level of clarity that you want somebody to have in order to have that connection deepen. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there's so many different factors that cloudy that connection and, and um, are barriers to that deeper level of connection. Um, and so that part, how it was so clearly laid out um, in the book, was really fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought so too. And that, that just shows that it's not like, you know, you take this pill and you're going to feel fine. Yes. <laughs> you know, take this for two weeks and you're going to be great. Mm-hmm. You know, this is something that you have to prepare for with an understanding that you're going to get better. And I think, yes. you know, for people who are, they, who are hopeful – and have a, a, a certain sense of uh, imagination and they're open-minded, they can go towards this and change their lives. And mm-hmm. that preparation helps, you know, helps that whole process of clarity, like you said. And the, the medicine hits you stronger. And then when you leave whatever ceremonial place you've gone to, the integration of that still needs to continue. So if you're going back to your home yes. with, uh, you know, and you have an abusive spouse – or, you know, an abusive situation or a horrible work life, a lot of those things are going to come back again. You're going to feel so good, but it, it's the integration of getting back into your world now and understanding what those things were that, that triggered your inflammation, in some cases your stress. Yes. And uh, that's a real important part of this whole process is the preparation and the integration mm-hmm. um, to keep it successful. A mm-hmm. you know, guy who worked mm-hmm. on the oil rig who had suffered addiction mm-hmm. and this, he, they, they told the story about him and how he kept going back to the ayahuasca. Yeah. Like he, he'd yeah. have some time where he was clean and then it wasn't until the third or fourth time going back where he finally realized like I have to actually also do the work right. and mm-hmm. get exactly. myself out of the situation exactly. that keeps spiraling me back up yeah. to the same place. Russ? It's always yes. Yes. Was it Russ? Yeah. But yeah, it's with with all these things, yes. it's you have to do the work. The work. The work. It's hard, mm-hmm. but you gotta do it. Yeah. Or not. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to do it alone, right? No. There's yeah. groups and there's uh, therapists and there's other people who you can talk to, right? Um, but it's vital that it, that you do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's vital that you do it. So I think 
let's take a break. Just like real quick, like Great. five minutes. Go see. I don't want to miss anything that I wanted to talk about or that you guys want to talk about. Can you find another one of those Icaros to play? I have one queued up right now. Sweet. Sweet. Okay. How much? How much? How many minutes is it? Six minutes. Oh, perfect. Perfect. We'll be back. We'll be back in six minutes. Bye. <laughs> Sunarayati, Akuskiroi 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 S
Chuchu washai sunnaray, sunnarayanti. 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 Toma pende 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 sunnaray, sunnarayanti. Chakrunita 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 sunnaray, sunnarayanti. Coca coca 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 sunnaray, sunnarayanti. Bokinjaina sunnarai, 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 sunnarayanti. Kamalunga 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 sunnarai, sunnarayanti. Moving sunrise, 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 sunnarai, sunnarayanti. Wantanai campana, campana ya kayamu. 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 Supai mawawawari karupimi wakapu. 
supai mawa wawani karupimi wakapu supai mawa wawani karupimi wakapu supai mawa wawani karupimi wakapu watatanai kampana kampana ya kayamu 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 Supai mawa wawani karupimi wakapu 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 Wantantanai kampana kampana ya kayamu 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 Oh We listened to before the show started and during the break um was Icaros. So what, am I saying that right? Yeah, I think Icaros. those were by Don Evangelino Murray. Yeah. So that's discussed a lot in the book is part of the ceremony is one of the shamans coming over and singing you your song. And it's part of the shamanic training to learn what song to sing, to learn the songs, to understand what the person needs, what you're asking for. So as far as I understand it, and Jim, you can explain both your first psychedelic experience, because I don't want you to feel left out, and, <laughs> and your experience with Icaros. Can I just um, ask, did we all share our first psychedelic experiences? Because I don't no, think I did that. No, I think when we were going around and saying, what's your name, and I didn't let him go. No, yes, you that. did. No, no he that. did. Well, he, went. A second, he went. There's a second round of questions okay. <laughs> about your first time like getting into psychedelics. Oh, you said, oh, oh when did you do it and were recreational yeah. to healing? I okay. thought you did answer oh, yes, that, but maybe not. Okay. Oh, oh, I, never, I never told the story of going to see the Grateful Dead at Soldier Field uh-huh. with Steve Miller Band warm-up oh. and being there and watching the concert. Mm-hmm. And, and I had taken LSD with a friend of mine. And um, during the concert, I saw this grid pattern that I thought was a digital, like, new technology above the stadium um, just displaying the song and, like, uh, an equalizer. And I looked at my friend and I'm like, hey, man, do you see that? Isn't that cool? He goes, no, man, I don't see that at all. (laughs) You see that. Yeah. (laughs) Do you – have you ever had a shared hallucination with someone? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking of one of my – while we were outside on the break, we were talking about um, the role of the Icaros, which I want you guys to talk about, um, but the and how music in itself is is healing, and to not and our group hope that people don't discount something like singing as healing. And Julie is a trained music therapist, and so and 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 I don't think you even. You don't have to know that music therapy is a thing to know that music therapy is a thing, <laughs> and we can we can all understand that. And sometimes we think of it as like that's it's a luxury or that is a mm-hmm. I don't know it's some it's a frivolous or it's fun. It's not necessary. It's not like a vitamin, but it is like a vitamin. Mm-hmm. It is like a vitamin. So I was on. I went to College Charleston. I was on the beach with roommates and friends. We had all done acid. This was probably late eighties, nineties. And 
we all suddenly, I was like, look at those giant like light creatures coming towards us across the water. Like it's the middle of the night. We're looking out at the Atlantic Ocean and we were like, yep. Like everybody was like, here they come. Like I think it was just a couple of lighthouses. But once we got it in our head that they were like giant light beamings, like walking in with the waves, we were just like waiting for them to come. Just like, here they come. They're, they're coming towards us to greet us now. But it was probably just like a blinking something, you know, like whatever. But we all saw it. And I remember thinking like that's – it was true. It was just true. It was – yeah, it was magic. Um, so tell us now about your experience and ceremony with the uh, singing. Yeah, the Icarus is um, the song that shamans sing during ceremony and um, – it's, it's meant to, to help and heal. They're singing to the plants in your body. Hmm. They're singing to the, maybe the dieting plants that, you, huh. that oh, you've that's consumed. That's interesting. And um, it's work, it w- helps work and heal within you. Um, in the Shipipo tradition, there are actually um, garments and you know, tapestries and whatnot that they draw. You'll see this phenomenal pattern that they weave. And it's all according to the Icarus and the song. So it's basically a song weaved and, and stitching, you know, on fabric. It's really, really beautiful, brilliant. Wow. Um, the songs themselves are, for me, uh, you know, everybody has a different reaction. Some people hear the songs. Um, some people don't. But the songs are a way to always kind of stay grounded and, and know that there's like a lifeline, so to speak, that they're – and they're weaving this uh, – this path for you as well in some cases and and light emits from from their words when they're singing um it's uh it's quite phenomenal and it, during the ceremony they'll have their own special song and icarus will come in up and, and do for you and you usually you know move to the edge of your mattress and just listen um they'll use tobacco in that uh case as well um tobacco is a great you know learning plant um and uh um, yeah, it's it's. I'm just going back to think uh, to think how how beautiful it is. Um, at the end, you'll go up and you'll sit in front of them in some cases, and you'll have three different shamans all singing to you at once. Wow. And it's really a phenomenal experience, you know, especially when you are going through your your ayahuasca experience. It it um, it, it helps heal you. You feel empowered by it. Um, it's a uh, it's a beautiful thing. A uh, couple places I've gone to, they'll send you a recording of your song that you got oh. at the end of the night, oh. so you can relive that. Wow! Yeah. Oh, that's right. Well, I'm definitely feeling called. Yeah, yeah. And I haven't before. Now I've never been like, oh, that sounds fun. It always sounded like scary and throwing up. <laughs> I didn't have this whole picture of the like, whole the, picture of the mm-hmm. diet and the. I knew you guys had dieted to get ready, but I didn't understand. I didn't know it was sort of a prescribed, suggested thing. I thought it was just... You know, it's mostly because you're cleaning your body out in in a show of respect. And then in a show of cleaning out all these things that ayahuasca is basically going to purge from your body when you get there anyway. Mm -hmm. So if you get it out of the way now... When you get there, you can work with the medicine more. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about getting, you know, all that beer that you've been drinking for the last uh-huh. three months out, you know, right. or whatever. Huh. Right. So. Like there's a couple people that showed up at the center and they had 
done drugs in the airport, like on the way. Yeah, the, and it was the rough. Guy. It was a rough couple of <laughs> four hours earlier. Who's doing coke at the yeah. airport? Yeah, <laughs> a rough couple of rough couple of first sessions there oh. to get get out. And so, um, did either one of you guys want to say anything about the PNEI? A, a lot. I want to say a lot about it. Okay. Um, Define it. Why are you excited yeah, about it? Well, can, look it up. Yeah, look it up in the glossary. Oh, in the glossary. Uh-huh. Okay. Let's read that first. Neuroendocrine. In Good try. <laughs> Something. It's it's so close. Psychoneuroendocrine immunologic network. Oh yes. my god. Psychoneuroendocrine. How does does it give the a complex definition? network okay. connecting the brain's psychology? to the nervous system, endocrine system, and immune system, theorized to be the physical manifestation of the emotional body. What? <laughs> what? Is what that was the heart? I mean, like that. Psycho. It seems like. Symb- not the good. physical heart, right, but, but the heart. The, heart, yeah. the yeah. image, our heart. Uh, the, what is that? The Jungian always talks about um, imagery, and I'm, the, the word is... I'm, I'm at a loss for the word. Not imagery, but um, archetypes. Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like the heart archetype, I feel mm-hmm. like, is like what that describes. Yeah. Well, this was a really um, this was a really powerful thing for me to hear. The way, and I, I alluded to this several times, maybe just said it since I've been sitting here, is about what this, um, what this is. And it's the ability, it's like the, he's able to give the pure description in a biological way of what is going on, mm-hmm. the center point of all of these different systems that we talk about medically, mm-hmm. right, to put them into a center point that then we can talk about the emotional body, right? We can talk about how our emotions are interacting with our with our physical body in a very biological way. It was like such an aha moment for me, like just this light bulb of like all things are coming together because I feel like the work that I do, and I kind of said before, is like in between, like the shaman's work and the doctor work. And I'm somewhere in between there. And um, that was like putting it into such clear words that I never knew existed. So for him, but I knew all the theoretical pieces, but Mm -hmm. I could never fit them in. And he just like took the puzzle and fit it in and it just blew my mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the way I would say, like the the simplest way I can relate to that kind of the healing is a couple weeks ago, I had to have a really tough conversation with someone that I didn't want to have. I was distracting myself from having it. I was procrastinating having it. I was making excuses to not have it. And I was also not digesting well, and I was also not sleeping well. And I kept going like, I'm just going to do other things. I'm not really thinking about that thing uh-huh. at all. And then, and then it kept getting forced upon me, right? And I had to make this phone call. And after I made it, it was like, like this channel opened up of like I was – constrict, you know, like I think my skin was even itching more than normal, you know, it's just like, oh, it's just mosquito bites. Oh, it's just the sun. Oh, it's just, I'm tired. It wasn't. It was that stored kind of resistance to the thing that must be done. Mm -hmm. And, and this idea of healing that or recognizing that and going, okay, if that's not flowing, you can try all kinds of things to mask it. But until you do that thing, you're going to be kind of sick and masking it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Yeah. And that goes for everything, not just conversations, everything. but moving something off your 
like countertop. <laughs> you know, oh, it's, yes. Yeah. Just move it, you know? Yeah. Just like weird things like that that oh, yes. you need to be doing that you're not doing sometimes. And, yeah. And, um, and can I add an element, Shelly, to what you said too? Yeah. About, um, you know, this one thing you've been needing to talk about with somebody and even just for a few days you feel it. Imagine doing that for a lifetime. For a lifetime. Imagine doing that for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, what the biological reaction then is in your body and the mm-hmm. spiritual reaction is. And uh, it's just. I feel like I can see people walking around sometimes and you can, you can see it. You can feel th- their body is saying, I am this way to protect. This is my shell. Sometimes you can see people, you can see their yeah. shell almost. You know yeah. what I mean? They're yeah. we- they almost look like they're wearing a shell. Yeah. Or sometimes people you can see like they... It's, you can tell. If someone's been alive long enough, they're, what are you going to say? Were you going to say something? You seemed eager over I'm, there. I'm, I'm just <laughs> not in an agreement. Oh, okay, okay, mm-hmm. okay. But you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. You can see someone, and if, they, if they've been alive long enough, experiencing stress long enough, it's showing up somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes, we, we've heard of stress belly before. People will go, if you've got stress belly, your body's producing too much cortisone, right. and you've got this big belly. Right. And you see those people in their whatever 70s and their body's like totally flat except for this big giant belly and they're like I'm fine everything's fine I'm a jolly guy look at my big jolly belly and you're like dude I'm not buying that I don't know if I'm buying that that looks like stored grief I've seen that before you know because it's it's probably like a whole energetic it's your digestion it's your it's yeah. how you're rooted to the ground. It's Everybody's different. I think it's really, I mean, it, but I don't know. Like, we're, we're not really uh, raised to be expressive necessarily and yeah, to wear your right. heart on your sleeve. That's right. You know, um, yeah. there's a saying for that. You're not supposed to wear your heart on your sleeve. Right. But, <laughs> right. um, but I, I think that has a lot to do with upbringing and, you know, the shame of the human body almost when mm-hmm. you're growing up too has mm-hmm. a lot to do with that mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Um all these things, I think, perpetuate unto themselves, and mm-hmm. eventually, you need to do ayahuasca. Yeah, that's right. or or and and I'm so excited because I, so if you happen to listen to this and you're like, oh, Shelly, there's this other plant spirit medicine book that you've got to read. Please mm. tell me what it is because mm. the ones I've been reading so far, I'm working with plants lately, and the more and more I start working with plants, I feel like this is a big long journey for a lot of people. But I remember probably in my 20s, I was working this crazy door-to-door book-selling job, which Jim knows. And um, I I believed that I should be able to work hundreds of hours a week with a terrible diet and crush everything without really – and really completely ignore my body and emotions. Like if I didn't feel happy and motivated, something was wrong. I needed to fucking fix it, right? Mm -hmm. And over time, I got to where I would just fall asleep, like, I would have to pull over. Oh, I think wow. I've told you this before. Like, if I got sleepy driving, I had to pull over right then because I was going to sleep. Wow. And it was like my body would be like, nope, we're done now. Shut down. <laughs> we're going down. Mm-hmm. Going to sleep. People would be like, oh, I'll, you can drive for a few. I'm like, nope, this is it. When I, It's not sleepy, 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 find something. Stick my head out. It's like sleepy, <laughs> sleep, right? And I remember 
looking in my cabinet one day and there were all these little weird supplements and things like fat burning things and there was this these shakes and it was all this stuff and nothing was natural and I felt so out of touch and I had this like crying prayer session about like I just want to know I just want to understand myself I want to understand my menstrual cycle I want to understand why I get why I break out right here I want to understand why, what I'm hungry for and if I should be allowed to eat that without feeling shame. I want to understand not what's being marketed to me, not what all my right. insane dieting girlfriends are doing, right. not what, you know, panicking vegans or mean boys who only want to hunt and eat meat. Like, what am I? What do I need to know to care for my human frame? And mm. it was such an eye-opening beginning to just like, what do I need to do to know myself, to know my sleep schedule, to know my... And I'm so deep into it now that anything I'll be like I'm slightly dehydrated you know like now I'm just like constantly I need to stretch this particular muscle (laughs) or whatever it is now I feel very in tune but I know that it's I'm still so far away I could be Mm. so much more in tune Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. you know so and I feel like that is the cool thing about understanding plants is allowing them to teach you your place in the earth and the ecosystem and how you're supposed to feel and how you're, you know. And the slowing down process in which that requires. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the placebo, too. I think you have to, yeah. the white spirit, like we were talking about a little bit ago, is just really important to, to have that belief in yes. what you're doing. Yes, um, yes, yes. Because yes. it's going to work even better that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it gives it the opportunity to work, right? Because if you really don't believe something's going to work, you're not giving it even an opportunity, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Has anyone else noticed that the more in touch and in tune and aware you are with yourself, the less uh, the less space you have, though, when these things and triggers and these – when you start to slip, like when those things start to happen, you have less um, ability to, like, tolerate that kind of mm-hmm. self-abuse that yes. like, you put yourself – so it's like I was like, oh, I noticed this thing, and it's like, okay, I can't let that go for ten years. I have to deal with this now, or yes. I'm going to feel like I'm a wreck. Yeah, because yes. like I'm aware of this now. Yeah, so it's really yeah. I used to think I didn't need as not, as much sleep as I do, and I held it like with pride because <laughs> it was you know I'm like I can pull an all nighter and I can do this, and I was like, you know what? No, I've never been an all nighter girl. <laughs> My face hurts. I'm pissed. <laughs> I start getting zits. Just, everything sucks, and I've never been that person. Uh, I don't know why I was trying to be, and if I get on like a trying to do too many things, which I can do sometimes. But if somebody's like, just one more thing, come out. Just like, no, Mm. it's over. Mm -hmm. My body's already starting to be pissed off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I need to close the doors. Powering down, powering down. So, okay, let's do a round of final thoughts because I think we kind of have to wrap up. Oh, no. I know. I know. It's so much. Okay, and then I have to pick something. Oh, yeah. I think my final thought on the Fellowship of the River is love. Um, I think love is intertwined in from the start to the end. Mm -hmm. Um, Love being um, also what they call the um, the spirit or the commerce for the spirits or something Mm -hmm. like that, where you you pay with love. uh, When things get bad, you you have to give love and, and receive love. Um, and even at the end, he, he mentions, I think, it's almost with a question, like, what is the medicine? Is he talking about ayahuasca? I think he's talking about love. The mm-hmm. very last line of the yes. book. Yes, yes. Ah. 
Yeah, well, that's like the very last chapter, or maybe it's like the thanking chapter. Maybe it's the very last chapter. It's chapter 24, the role of spiritual healing in modern healthcare, and he's yeah. wrapping up like, I'm, I'm, he's saying, I have the utmost respect for Western medicine. I am asking my colleagues to be open-minded. Mm. That's, you remember that part mm-hmm. where he's saying like, here's, yes. here's my observation. I'm asking you to be open-minded to yes. this. And number four on his like, you know, this is what I learned on the fellowship mm-hmm. of the river. Here's what I learned. Number four is love is the acceptance of all things as they are without reservation. And the rest is about, you know, the, the healing has to involve the emotional trauma and all that, or it won't, physical things won't help. Mm-hmm. Well, he says also, as ayahuasca and similar spiritual medicines find their place among world's medicine and spiritual healing traditions, we should not forget that really there's only one medicine that which helps us to heal. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. that was the last line, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, that was the last line. No. The audiobook ends with him going through his acknowledgments and thanking <laughs> yes. people. But the and thing I didn't is, listen to all that. I did. Though. And the thing was, uh-huh. I noticed was, like, he really took the time to, like, have that gratitude. Yes. And oh, yes. point out every single person that had an impact and really point that out. And, you know, so my last reflection is, like, gratitude that this was recommended and I had the opportunity to listen to this because I went from kind of this reluctance, like, oh, i got to read this book, to, like, <laughs> this is pretty cool, to, like, what am I going to talk about, to... I've been talking about the book, like, the whole time I was reading it. I'm like, oh, yeah. So a lot of gratitude for this. Yes, yes, yes. My gratitude for the book is I feel like I've been on this either getting to know my body or getting to know plants and understanding that for a long time. And this is a big door open. This is like I would love... I, I would love a farm that grew all of these master plants with a healing center attached to it with like, you know what I mean, with libraries full of, I would love that, you know. Um, and I would highly recommend it. I think it's very easy to read and um, it doesn't go over anybody's head. It's enough stories, enough science, enough um, heart, I guess, Um so, yeah, and I'm feeling called. Maybe in the next six months you guys will hear my story about <laughs> some sort of next spirit journey. Um, and if you've done ayahuasca, you're listening to this, if you've um, studied with any of these master plants or shamans, we would love to hear from you. And if you're in medical school, we would love to hear from you. If you've heard of this med school disease, if you've explored mm-hmm. any other kind of plant medicine, and if it gets talked about at all, I'm, I'm curious about that too so um yeah so thank you god that was fun that was good one and the next thing we're going to do is going to be so childish compared to this (laughs) 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 we're going to go straight from this no 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 there's a buffer we're doing another play we're doing homesteaders we're going to read a play um and then uh that's going to be the most people i've ever tried to have on zoom so Forgive me in advance for technical difficulties. And then and then we're doing Double Love, the first book in the Sweet Valley High series. Oh, right. Which is about little twin right. bitches from the late 80s. <laughs> little white bitches just being spoiled. Um, anyway, teen romance. It was like a joke suggestion, but now we're super into it. So that's after reading the play. So um, thanks for listening, and we'd love to hear from you to talk about any of the books that we've read. Thanks, Jim. 
Thanks, Julie. Thanks, Maddie. Thanks, Rayvon. You're welcome. And let's go out. Oh, way to have it ready. Who is on it? Yes, yes, yes. Rai Ajusquiro y sunaray, sunarayati, 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 ajusquiro y sun